Having trouble keeping your nuisance expenses like uniforms, waste management, or pest control in order? Look no further because FineTune is happy to bring their processes to you so you don't have to worry about them ever again. Want to know more? Well, check out episode 109 wherever you subscribe to podcasts or under podcasts at letstalksupplychain.com. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. I am very excited about partnering with IANA again this year for Intermodal Expo 2020. Last year, I interviewed attendees and exhibitors about why they attend this event each year. I'd like to play a clip from my podcast booth that was on the show floor last year. I want to ask you, why did you want to exhibit at Expo? What value has it brought to your business? So it's extremely valuable. We, as I said earlier, you know, we're focused from a growth perspective in this space. There's a lot of opportunity both from our perspective and our customers perspective so this really provides us an informal environment to sit and understand our customers where they're at today what their challenges are how are we supporting them and what we can do going forward to better support them and that's just a small portion of what you can expect at expo use promo code ltsc2020 at checkout because I hope to see you there. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My Super Trend series with Scott and Greg from Supply Chain Now is well underway. If you missed the kickoff party on LinkedIn, don't worry, we have another LinkedIn Live on the Supply Chain Now page coming up April 28th, where we do a rundown of what we have already talked about on the series so far. We're having a lot of fun with this series and hope that you are following along because we are going to have a wrap party on Twitter. So stay tuned for that. That's coming up in June. Today is the beginning of the month and I'm so excited to introduce you to our Woman in Supply Chain feature on the podcast for April. She is dynamic, fun, a great networker and someone who really was a champion for me as I got started in this chapter of my career. Before I let you in on who that might be, let's get to the question of the week. So the question we asked was in inspired by Jammin because he asked this question a few weeks before we did and I really loved it. A lot of people had a lot of fun with it and we had a lot of fun with it as well. So the question is, what are your favorite cringeworthy supply chain phrases? Jammin said, any forced buzzword reference to digital or digitization makes me laugh. Digital platform, digital transformation, digitization of the supply chain. Kelly says, I agree with Jammin. This is a pet peeve of mine as well. And I work in the digitization industry, which I thought was funny. Uh, Corey Comer, he says the same thing. Michael Cadio says, anything professing to be AI empowered. Mark Ports, for me hearing, we have a fully integrated supply chain. 
and you know they don't. Kelly Miller, drink from the fire hose. That is a good one. Alviro says, what about supply chain transversality? I don't even know if I've heard of that before. Supply chain cross-functionality, lean supply chain, and so, so much more. Johan Strom says, supply chain is like nature. It is all around us. That makes him crawl out of his skin. Marianne Ross, while it is a common phrase heard in almost any business, I still hate it. And that is, it's not my job. Marianne, I don't think you're alone. I think that that makes everybody cringe everywhere. Layla says, why changing? It is working the way that it is. That one is another one that I hear very, very often. Don says, offshore. Asma says, firefighting. What about fire prevention? Lauren says, synergies. Christoph um, has mentioned something about uh, some of the biggest cringeworthy jargon and buzzwords. Patrick, carry your initial email at 12 p.m. on a Friday. Your last free day is today. Ooh, that is a good one. Thank you so much for everybody who uh, weighed in on the question of the week. Again, you can find everybody's answers on the LinkedIn page for Let's Talk Supply Chain. Um, we are starting, you know, so many amazing conversations and so many people are weighing in. So we're just going to leave that on LinkedIn for now. So today I am introducing you to Angie Reno. Some of you may know Angie already and some of you may not, but her spirit and passion for the industry will stay with you forever. Let's get to know a little bit about her before we get into the real stuff. Angie Reno is a supply chain professional holding a master's degree in organizational Behavior and Industrial Psychology from Fairleigh Dickinson University in Madison, New Jersey. Angie began her, her career with Maersk at the New Jersey U.S. headquarters, starting in trans-Pacific trans trade lane development. Angie has held multiple positions with the logistics sector, ranging from pricing to business development, key account management, VP of global supply chain, now landing at Crawley as director of procurement specifically to supporting the Crowley Government Solutions team. Angie utilizes Lean Six Sigma to leverage team collaboration, consistently presses for multi-stakeholder engagement, is passionate about the digitization of the supply chain, and embraces technology as the cornerstone of supply chain and team development excellence. At a personal level, Angie is passionate about the positive impact a diverse and inclusive leadership team brings to any organization. So welcome to the show, Angie. Hi, Sarah. It is great to be here. Thank you. So I want to let the listeners know how much you mean to me. Last year before TPM, you reached out to me on LinkedIn and without even knowing me, you let me know that you would be doing a presentation at the Diversity Breakfast and that you were including Let's Talk Supply Chain in your slides as an important part of bringing a voice to women in the industry. The note you wrote me was so touching because you expressed to me, oh my God, I'm going to cry. <laughs> Uh, how much of a difference we are making with the series and that you are going to be my cheerleader of all cheerleaders and you didn't disappoint. At TPM, you took me under your wing. You introduced me to everyone you knew. And that is a lot of people. Okay, <laughs> listeners, it's a lot of people. You were in the front row for me, like I asked at the leadership panel to give me moral support. Some of the people you introduced me to, I have done business with, created friendships forever, and now work with me to grow the brand and 
that is all because of you, Angie. And you're going to make me cry. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for everything. You are an amazing woman. And I am honored to elevate your voice on the show today. So let's get started with your journey. What are your earliest career memories? How did you get into supply chain? And how did you get to where you are now? Okay. Wow. First, I have to say, Sarah, um, thank you so much. I the work that you're doing is absolutely incredible, and that was a that was a fantastic experience. I think for so many people, and you got to keep doing what you're doing because you are on track. You are just right on track. And there's so many people out there who often search for, you know, voices that express how they're feeling, and yours is one of them on so many different levels. I mean. In the, in the warm-up, you and I were talking about Claudia, the rodeo show, right? I mean, I, I felt her presence by the way you introduced her. And it's like, this is, this is what we need, you know? But, um, you. oh, very welcome and hard-earned. But uh, so this is kind of an emotional story about how I got in because it, it ties in my dad. And um, he's, he's truly is, I was blessed by having two amazing fathers, a, a father and a stepfather. And dad's not here, but stepdad still is. But this is, this will tie into kind of our dialogue later on. But I was in, I was getting my um, master's in organizational behavior at Fairleigh Dickinson University. And I had to write a, a thesis on um, does communication at a C level bleed down to the front lines? And wow. Yeah, it's really cool. And I had my, um, you know, my ideas of whether they, they do or do not, but I'm, I'm always that fatal optimist. So I'm thinking, I hope it does. <laughs> but so I called on my dad. He had a small uh, medical practice. I'm like, dad, you know, got to do this thesis and just typical dad style. He goes, well, honey, I'm a doctor, so I don't know how to communicate. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> so, but um. He said, I, you know, I have a buddy, he's, he's, in, he, he's running a pretty good business in Miami, and dad was in Coconut Grove at the time. He goes, let me, let me call Odell. So he called up Odell, and, and one call led to another. Dad calls me back. He said, you got an appointment on Tuesday at 1130. Here's the address. And I'm working two jobs, studying. And I said, okay. So I planned to dress up, but I didn't, because typical me, I'm doing a gazillion things all at once. <laughs> A backpack, t-shirt, sneakers, jeans, walking and uh, I know and and say to the the gal at the you know receptionist, hi, I'm here to see this person. Give her the name, and she pauses and looks me up and down. It says, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm like, oh my well, god, all right. So she says she makes a phone call. She said, okay, he's on the third floor, and I walk up the third floor. And the offices are getting more spaced out and broader. And I go to the, the top floor and the doors are like 15 feet high. It's Ted Ruley, the North America CEO of Maersk. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Ted Ruley used to sell Maersk as the Cadillac of the industry. And there's a reason for it because the service, service, service. And I walked in there and all of a sudden this, I became that little girl again, right? And um, I told the secretary and she stood up and she greeted me. She goes, yes, he's waiting for you. I walked in and he said, hello, how are you? And it was just as if 
I'd known him for years. And he said, I understand that you're doing a communication. And, and I kind of breathed, you know, for a minute, well, maybe 30 seconds or, you know, and then, and then I asked him and then I started asking him tough questions. Like, how do you know, you know, you say you're, you're the best in the business and do, do it right the first time, but how do you know? (laughs) So I got an A plus on that thesis. So that's how I got in the business. Yep. Sent him a thank you note, sent him a copy of the thesis and he sent it down to HR and whether or not he gave me a blessing or a curse, I don't know. So. Oh, come on. You love your supply chain career. I do. I do. And Marisk, I still, I tell people, I, I think I still be bleed blue. Uh, Crowley's colors are red. So I think it's slowly turning purple because it's... Because <laughs> they're mixing. Yeah. But Crowley is one of the first companies that I've worked at in my, um, gosh, I hate to say it, nearly 30 years. And it is so close to the Maersk culture that I started with. It's a phenomenal organization. And so, yeah, I mean, the listeners know from the introduction, your bio, and that's Crowley is where you are right now. Um, Where did you go in between? Lots of places. I I will be very direct after, um, I spent about 13 years at Maersk. And after that, I started chasing the money. And I think when you chase the money, there comes a cost. And I learned that very well. I think you and I met um, after that last decision to leave a company without a job. And I I felt very good about it because I'd built up enough, you know, uh, financial security. And And a network. Yeah, I have phenomenal people. Include, I mean, you you know it. You're one of them, and there's some amazing people in supply chain. Amazing Absolutely. people. Absolutely, it's one of it's when I asked the question of the week the last in the last little bit. What was your favorite thing? What do people love about supply chain? People was number one, which yeah. you know what doesn't surprise me. Me neither. And I was, you know, when you're, I was looking at your questions pre-interview and and one of the biggest things that, and we talked about this at at TPM is the ecosystem. Yeah. A supply chain, a really healthy supply chain cannot function properly without each other, whatever Mm -hmm. that each other is, right? Yeah. Whether it's people, whether it's department, you name it. Processes, yeah. You know, you talked about leaving uh, the last one without a job. Um, and I just wondered, do you, I mean, that's got to be a big risk for you. So what do you consider being some of the biggest risks you took in your career? That's got to be one of them. Do you have any yeah. more? That was one of them because, you know, I wanted to be a little bit prepared. One of, the other thing too was moving away from Maersk. You know, it's it was... Uh, an incredibly comfortable environment. I had such a a good network of people, but, you know, especially recently I was talking to this about this to one of our senior leaders and to grow. Sometimes you need to go through the growing pains and if you remain stagnant, okay, that's okay. But there are people out there who seek growth. They need it constantly. And I did, I, I knew I needed to grow. So I left Maersk, um, quitting without a, a job was definitely one of it. And I think that's it. Yeah. I was talking to Adam from the Sarasis, uh podcast. Um, just recently I was on his show and he was talking about building up the marketing for the company. Mm-hmm. And it's like what you said about the leadership is that you need to be consistent and that you need to just keep you know, keep with it 
and it will grow. And I think it's the same for leadership, right? On the marketing side and the leadership, I think it's really the same for everything. It is. And I think that I think the good leaders and you and I know that there's some phenomenal leaders out there. There's some okay, so so leaders, but the good leaders understand they know how to keep their eye on the ball while everything around them changes. And they know, I think good leaders also recognize those who can handle you know, the, the quick yeah. pace. But the, the most important thing to recognize about that ecosystem is the value of the people who are okay doing yeah. that day-to-day job. And I think yeah. sometimes we get so hyper-focused on talking about how to lead. There's such a value of that that person who's, you know, getting the job done every single day. Mm-hmm. Well, and even just making people feel comfortable around you. Like, look at your conversation with Ted, and he didn't even know you. And you said, you yeah. know, he greetedly greeted you like you guys had known each other forever. And I think that that is a trait of a really good leader that we don't often hear about. Yeah, that's exactly right. Now, now, Ted, make no bones about it. He was also a very competitive man. I mean, he would he wanted to be the best, but he knew he was emotionally intelligent. Long story short, which is which is key to leadership these days, right? Yeah. So then, let's get back to your journey. What challenges did you have along the way? I know you we talked about risks. I'm sure there's been a lot of challenges. Talk to me about those. I mean, listeners want to know the challenges that you've encountered, but they also want to know how you overcame them. So I don't know if you have an example or just a couple to talk about. Yeah, I think um you know, I'm just such a go-getter and I I get so determined you know, we were talking about this in a really neat meeting on Friday. It was one of those meetings that that was not planned and it had the key group of folks that have to drive things forward. You know, people say they want change. They say they want innovation. But when you push for it, and I do, uh, sometimes they're they're not ready and they push back. Mm -hmm. And again, one of these senior leaders said to me, Angie, you know, don't take it personal, but keep doing what you're doing. I think... I'm a natural, I'm a natural, I don't want to say disruptor, but I'm a natural person that gravitates to disruption because disruption leads to innovation. Right. And some people aren't always ready for that. So how I overcome it, and I'm still learning, is I have to measure how much I, you know, push for change. Yeah. And, but that's a balancing act. You know, I would never tell anybody to stop doing that. Just recognizing, you know, the pace that you're doing it uh, at, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's a really good point. I think everybody's got that balancing act, depending on what it is for them. Right. You know, I was on a recent show. I think it was Super Trend One with, with Scott and Greg. Yeah. And we're talking about sustainability. And, you know, companies are pulled in so many different directions. Leadership is pulled in so many different mm. directions. Frontline staff is pulled in so yeah. many different directions. And I, I think that we need to stop and sort of consider that as we, you know, drive things forward. Um, from a tech standpoint, from sustainability standpoint, you know, there's so many things coming at us and there's so many great things that we could be doing. Um, and I think a lot of people feel like it's not happening fast enough. Yes. But at the same time, we're just human. And some people are going to catch up a lot faster than others. Um, some people are going to want to see results faster 
than others, right? And so I think that, you know, I think for everybody, it's a bit of a balancing act. So how do you, how do you deal with that? I know you said you measure it, but personally, how do you, how do you just deal with well, it? I mean, there's three things that you said that are spot on. So I'm going to go back to those three things. The first thing I know, the the first thing is balance. You know, I remember uh, my husband and I were in Colorado over vacation and, you know, he said, what do you want in 2020? I said, I want balance. Right. And it's, it's such a great conversation. The other thing that you said was technology, right? The shiny new object, recognizing the difference between the, you know, and then the, the third thing you said was pace. And I heard this on Scott and, uh, uh, Scott and Greg on supply chain now radio. Can I give them a pitch? Yeah. (laughs) Right. But they said, one of their guests said uh, the, it's, it's not just a fast pace in regards to supply chain technology. It's a breathtaking pace. And that was so apt, you know, because everybody's sitting there saying, well, you need this, you need this, you need this. And guess what? Oh, no, no, but you got to do all APIs, can't do EDI. The reality is there's a lot of stuff happening on EDI. (laughs) But that's a great point, right? It's like catching your breath, yeah, right? And it's taking the wind out of you sometimes in those Mm. conversations where you have to remember to breathe again, because you're like... I don't know where to start. <laughs> yeah. So my focus kind of this, and this will, this will be good for the, the, the podcast is going to the ROI procurement has to change. It's not just a purchasing Avenue. It is how that ROI is given to the business that's driving the need. And, you know, I just had a conversation in the hall this morning about technology and the person said, you know, I don't know if this is the right tool and how can I build something or create something if I don't have the right tool? Yeah. You know, it's, it's such a simple sentence, but it's spot on because that technology that somebody's pitching you might not be that right tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And it's so true, right? There's yeah. so many different things that are out there. I mean, that's why I have companies come on Let's Talk Supply Chain and talk about exactly what they do. Mm-hmm. Because I think so much, so much time is spent on, you know, pitching and, you know, one side trying to figure out if it's going to work for them, the other side trying to push for that, you know, and there's not really that dialogue in between to really figure out if it, it is a fit. Um, especially for the person on the other side that might not maybe understand it holistically and completely to know if it is the right fit. And that comes back to the value of that person doing the job every single day. You know, you can make a decision at a hundred thousand foot level and then the person who actually has to execute at 10, 15, 20,000 feet, you yeah. know, they're, they're not, they don't have the tools, not the right fit. Absolutely. So as an industry, you and I talk about diversity all the time. I will not bring up the conversation that we had last year, but um, as an industry, how far do you think we've come when it comes to diversity and what can we do to help move the needle forward? So I would like to reference, you know, I think you and I are excellent about championing with championing women, right? And I want to mention Sabina Mueller. She's CEO uh, at DHL of Consulting, right? Yeah. She she posted something two weeks ago, and I, I'll send you the um, the quote. But she's she's like, we still have to drive on. We still have so much work to do. Right and the reason, 
she's such an amazing leader because you and I have also talked about females that are, once they get to that, that certain level, they're in the C-suite, you know, whatever they're earning and they've got the stock options. They don't want to, you know, uh, rough up the waters, so to speak. Right. But Sabina is still doing that. She's like, no, we've got 15% is 15%. It's, you know, that's not enough, right? Because we're half the, the population, but I think we have to change the, the dialogue to inclusivity because it, it, that was kind of coming out when you and I first met diversity is fantastic, but Make sh- making sure that you're including other people in that diversity, you know, discussions or whatever. And Jeffrey Tobias Halter, remember him? He's the male champion. Um, he has some phenomenal uh, articles, and he's on LinkedIn. I think you might be connected to him. But he t- he talks about women not necessarily having to lean in, but male champions standing up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a great point because it's not just about women, right? Mm. It's about culture and society as a whole and really reaching out and supporting each other. Yes. Yes. I had a, you know, there's still challenges today, right? Uh, You know, I was talking to a friend and she's like, how do I handle this? She goes, I don't know, get a male voice app. So when you're on a conference call, you sound like a guy. (laughs) Oh no, is that still happening? No, no. we got to squash those conversations. <laughs> and we laughed and chuckled. And then she gave me some phenomenal advice. She said, uh, you know what? Know your audience, Angie. And don't yeah. don't fight the fight. Listen. And, and this is something that my family and I are kind of going through because, you know, we are all natural fighters. You know, I, I bred two amazing, beautiful boys and they have my genes and unfortunately they're they're pretty strongly for them. Fortunately for them. <laughs> so you could get into quite a heated debate at my house. But you know, how do you we're also trying to emotionally teach them how do you navigate, you know, that drive to yeah. get to the point, but then understanding, knowing your audience. So that yeah. was great advice. It's so, so very important. And I think by the time this conversation airs, I think I can talk about this now. So at TPM this year, I was part of the diversity committee, which I wasn't part of last year. Yes. And um, we have decided to do an impact of diversity honor. And so it's open to nominations. People can nominate their own company. They can nominate other companies. And, uh, we're going to be, we're going to be naming a winner at the next TPM in 2020 for, you know, the company that is really making a difference internally and externally in the community. They are measuring it. Boston Consulting, uh, uh, you know. They're amazing. Yeah. Sorry, I, I'm, I'm nominating already. <laughs> okay. Well, you've got to go to the form and nominate okay. them. Um, but yeah, no. So, so that is, that has just come out and I'm super proud of it because it's something that we as a committee came together on. I was on the subcommittee that put everything together, all Excellent. the criteria. Excellent. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be the judges for that and we're going to name, name the winner next year. So, you know, it's like one foot in front of the other, just moving it forward every single day in different ways and creating awareness, elevating voices, yes. learning from each other right? Like that collaborative spirit is, you know, what we need in diversity and inclusion and being open and being there um, 
you know, for each other when we have a question like that, not looking at each other as competition, um, but, you know, really building each other up and figuring out what that looks like, because there's enough to go around for everybody to win. And sorry, that's my little soapbox. (laughs) I love the the last bit. There's enough to go around, you know, and, and, and there's also, you know, I, I like being where I'm at because there's, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily, I don't man, I'd never have managed up. Right. And I know that some people do that really well. I think it's so important to manage down as well as up. Right. Um, but yeah, but one of the, the, the people that, you know, she's on my team, she reports up into me. She said, you know, Angie, it's so ironic because what, you know, you have books that say how to negotiate in Asia women and men negotiate differently, especially on salaries, right? Why can't we, you know, acknowledge that difference Mm -hmm. and train ourselves for it to have that as a a successful, you know, avenue of of negotiation and pathway and communication. Yeah, and use use it as an advantage. Yeah, or not a disadvantage, yes. right? It's not a disadvantage. Our differences are advantages. Mm-hmm. They're not things that we should shove into the corner. They're not things that we should put away in the closet. They're things that we should work on because they're our strengths. They're our advantages. Then yes. the cool thing about the younger generations that are coming up, and did you know there's a, a generation called Xennials? It starts with no. a Z. Yeah, I'm like, what's that? I just where like, have I been? <laughs> I'm like, look at, I'm trying to prep for this call, and I'm like, I'm finding another generation that I didn't know about. You know, <laughs> hold on, but uh, yeah. So I mean, but the the younger generations, they're they're saying, well, if you want to learn about you know how to negotiate as a woman, you're going to need a man in the room because that's a good. It, I know. Oh. <laughs> Oh, that just made me feel like we took one step backwards. Well, it does, but also, no, they're flipping it. Okay, see, okay. This, is, this is interesting that you say that because they're saying, because 70% of the time, you're going to negotiate with a man. Yeah, you are. So if you but practice it, with your girlfriend, so to speak. Oh, so not in the room with you, but just to practice. Yeah, sorry, I should have clarified. Oh, okay, that okay, that's a little bit better. <laughs> yes, 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 to practice. No, I would totally agree with you because yes, if you are going to negotiate with a man, then it would just make more sense. I forgot what it was like to hang out with you because I think we both move so fast that we forget the little like here's a car, but where are the keys? <laughs> <laughs> We're already halfway down the street. I know, right? We got Uber. Um, All right. So, I mean, we're talking about the next generation. So let's talk about them. Um, How do we get them excited about supply chain? I think I think they already are. I think there's so many phenomenal young people that are just there. They want to be in it because they see the value. They see their ecosystem people. Right. They know that we're all connected. They know better than anybody because they've had to deal with so many different discussions, you know, whether or not people, some people still don't believe in climate change and they're sitting there looking at the world, you know, burn up around them going, yeah, it's here. So they understand the need for connectivity at a global level, how to, you know, navigate a different culture because they seek it out, I think, more so than than we might have it when I was growing up, but yeah. Well, and I also think, yeah, I think they hear the word supply chain. Um, obviously more than what we, we would have heard it growing up. Cause I don't think supply chain, the it term wasn't. was coined until like the nineties. 
Absolutely. You know, and that's another thing that Scott and uh, Scott Luton and Greg White were talking about is that that is now in the vernacular of even ordering from Amazon. You have a young person saying, well, what's up with the supply chain? Why isn't this delivered? You know, why does it take so long? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then um, what advice would you have for young supply chain professionals getting into the industry or maybe coming out of college or university with a degree in supply chain management? I think we have some great opportunities. I know that, like, for example, Crowley works with the University of North Florida, and there's some fantastic organizations. Uh, I'm part of the National Defense uh, Transportation Association for Jacksonville. We're, we're going to have a Jacks chapter meeting tomorrow. And uh, Vice Admiral Andy Brown, he, he is adamant about getting younger people into the group because we need to start talking about cybersecurity and supply chains. Yeah. So there's a lot of reaching out that I see right now through not only associations, but universities, University of Tennessee, Jim Newsom, CEO of uh, um, South Carolina Ports Authority. He's constantly connecting people with UT's supply chain group. So I think it's go to your university and I just Google supply chain. <laughs> well, and, you know, explore the different partnerships I think that the university or colleges have yes. to offer. Mm -hmm. Because I think that there's a lot of companies in supply chain that are, you know, talking to colleges and universities on a regular basis. There's organizations like the ones that you were just talking about. And that's just in Florida. So think about the rest of the country. I mean, everybody's sort of you know, getting around the next generation and, um, you know, trying to help them fit into the supply chain ecosystem because there are so many more opportunities yes. um, than there have been in our lifetime. Yes. <laughs> Yours in my lifetime. I mean, who would have thought three years ago that I would be in supply chain media? Yes, and that's an, an excellent point. thing called supply chain media or supply yes. chain influencer or you know it's just incredible to me how many different avenues that that opens up in yes. its own um, and then you've got so many other opportunities where we're looking at other industries and what they're doing in other industries and how we can even work with people that are in those industries to bring them over to supply chain to innovate and make the supply chain ecosystem just that much better. And so, you know, um, I say this all the time, explore your options, figure it out, talk to companies, see what they're looking for. Hell, they might even create a position for you. And I've yeah. heard that. Yep. Internship too. That's, that's a, that's a huge, uh, avenue of, you know, getting into supply chain and seeing what you like about it, because there's a whole nother area that we haven't even touched upon, which is data, business intelligence, analytics. That yes. part, Yeah. Right. That's like a whole nother discussion, but, um, yeah, I think it's really important for these younger people just to go to their universities. And, but I also think I want to challenge the people out there, like the TPMs of the world. I do feel that they could do a better job at reaching out to the leaders who attend TPM, reaching out to those people and saying, who in your, uh, you know, alumni world, right? Who could you bring on to, even if you sponsor, sponsor yeah, one, yeah. one student. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think, I think, uh, conferences like that should have it with just one booth really that has, uh, students at it and saying, Hey, what's your next step? Yeah. Well, and I also, I also want to challenge the HR community as well. 
And the reason why I want to do that is because I think that there are, there's a lot of talent, right? I think that we talk about the shortage of talent, but I think it might be the mismanagement of how we're finding that talent. And I'm not saying that it's all on the HR professionals because I think that they are tasked with a lot of challenges um, in and of itself in what they're doing and how they're trying to innovate and move move HR forward um, away from traditional thinking. Um, but I do think that there's a lot of talent coming out of the colleges and universities on the supply chain side and maybe just to challenge them to figure out how to, um, navigate that a little bit better and find that talent because I don't know if it's necessary. I, you know, I think that we go back to the word balance, right? There's yeah. a balance between what we're looking for on a sheet versus what the person can provide and deliver based on the talents and the things that they're good at looking at a person holistically and not just looking at what they've put on the sheet of paper. Yeah. You know, we, we looked at a technology called BitOps. I'm going to give them a shout out, right? Why not take that concept of putting, you know, a bunch of vendors bidding on, even if it's just like a table in an office, right? Putting your talent pool out there, right? And okay, say, you know, the recruiter wants that percentage. So, but if the recruiter puts the talent in, just give them half that usual commission. You know, it's still a win-win. Yeah. We, I think we're, we're, too, we're too controlling as far as this is mine. This is my this is my you know piece of talent. This is my avenue of, of, of seeking out talent. We've got to get the technology behind it as well, right? So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That and the traditional mindset. I think there's a few key shifts that we need to make on the talent front. Um, I'm not necessarily a believer that we don't have enough talent. That the talent isn't out there. I, I think agree. we have to change the way that we're looking for it. Um, and so I just wanted to sort of throw that one in there as well. So let's talk about the future. What's next for Angie? Well, I think, you know, I'm still, I'm not at my year mark at Crowley. So I'm still, I've got a lot to do. And I got to be really honest with you. I, it's family first with me. And that's another fun, a great reason that I'm, you know, enjoying my time at Crowley because Crowley's very aware that you have to have a balanced life. And I've got, I've got some boys to turn into men. <laughs> it's not just raising a child, it's raising men. And that, that can be challenging. So it's, it's a little bit of both. You know, I, I've got to say, you know, I, I got to say it's family career and, and all the other stuff that comes with it. Yeah, and just sort know. of taking it. Yeah, and taking it one day at a time yeah. and sort of see where it leads you, right? But driving innovation forward, I think, at, at Crowley too is is really what the future holds for you, I think. Yeah, if I focus specifically on the job, it's it's really vetting out technology that is useful and also advanced because there was, you know, again, if you look at Gartner's recommendations, if you're trying to onboard technology and you're, you're talking to 18 months, it's ready to go. That's too late. Yeah. Too late. Yeah. No, absolutely. I yeah. would agree with you. Yeah. So what did I tell you? Angie is driven and has a passion for this industry that will stay with you forever. She has authentically shared her story with us today and once again has inspired me with everything she does. If you would like more information about Angie or this episode, please visit letstalksupplychain.com forward slash episode 110. Thank you, Angie, for being my biggest supporter and for just being you and for sharing so authentically your story today. Thank you, Sarah.
This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. If you like this episode, please check out my woman in supply chain page over at let's talk supply to hear more from the powerhouse women in my series. Next week is episode two in my series about super trends with Scott Luton and Greg White from supply chain. Now we are talking about how end to end supply chain might be dead. Stay tuned. Remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss out on an episode. If you'd like to support the show there's a few ways to do that follow us follow us on linkedin twitter and instagram subscribe to our newsletter for more news and information about supply chain and our content subscribe to the youtube channel the sc supply chain tv and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes next ships.com yes that is the technology platform i've been talking about for a while we are in pilot we're looking for some freight forwarders and shippers to work with us on that pilot so we can make this a go-to powerful platform streamlining pricing and uh, eventually into an ecosystem which is extremely exciting since all of you know about my passion for collaboration next if you've got a supply chain professional procurement professional logistics professional in your life and you're looking for some fun merch for them go under shop at letstalksupplychain.com for that or we have a supply chain dictionary full of acronyms and definitions that you can use in your career for supply chain go and check that out under shop at letstalksupplychain.com. Lastly, rate and review the show over on Apple Podcasts and I will feature you on an upcoming episode. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.